you have the chance to win a Spring Super Sweeps from LAist. Donate $60 for one entry to win a brand new Lexus or $25,000 in cash. Check out all the other prizes too when you donate now at laist.com sweeps. Start your Saturday with something that will grow your kiddos' brains and get their creative juices flowing. Join us at LAS in Pasadena for a morning of multilingual readings, interactive performances, and lots of kid fun. It's Super Fun Saturday on June 1st. Get your tickets at LAS.com slash events. LAS Studios. Hi, everyone. This is Retake. I'm John Horn. The 95th Academy Awards are on Sunday. And if you want to win your office Oscar pool, then listen on. I have a special guest in this week's episode that could give you an insider's edge, though no guarantees. He's one of my favorite people to talk about movies and Oscar predictions. New York Times award season columnist Kyle Buchanan. First up is the biggie, Best Picture. I have a question for you, and I'm going to ask it of myself as well. Sure. When you first saw Everything, Everywhere, All at Once, did you say to yourself, there's the movie that's going to win a whole bunch of Oscars? Yes. No way. And I think I thought that before A24 or the people involved thought that. I remember seeing that movie at the Los Angeles premiere, which literally was a few days before last year's Oscars. And I watched that movie. Well, the very first thing I thought is... Ki Hoi Kwan could be an Oscar winner for this. You know, I immediately I knew that was a great part. I thought for sure he would get a nomination. You know, it was so early in the year, you didn't know what else would come. But yeah, I did. I thought he was surefire. Michelle Yeoh was almost certain to get nominated. And I did think it would be a Best Picture contender. Did I think it would sweep the guilds in the way that it has? No. But it's it kind of exciting and, and fascinating to watch this movie that has caught on in such unexpected ways for all the people involved to catch on in the most major way with the Academy. I will say I have only felt that way a few times, seeing a movie and, and saying to myself, that's Best Picture material. King's Speech, mm-hmm. 12 Years a Slave, right. maybe Spotlight. But certainly not for Argo, not for Parasite, uh, Moonlight, or Shape of Water, which isn't to say I didn't love those films. I just couldn't see them getting a toehold. Um, so everything, everywhere, all at once certainly has a toehold. Did it rise, or did other movies sink, or did both things happen at the same time? I think both things happened. I think that movie rose in people's estimation as the year went on, certainly rose in box office totals. I think that this year, where you only have one streaming movie nominated for Best Picture, and you have a lot of big hits nominated, people, especially awards voters, are inclined to go with, you know, that old traditional metric of, it's a hit, (laughs) it's a success, which Everything Everywhere absolutely was. It's the biggest A24 film ever. And, you know, the specialty box office is still ailing, but for a film like that to advance in the way that it did and to be original, I think counts for a lot and is part of the reason why people are excited for it. Now, at the same time, I think a lot of the films that people assumed would be the, the strong competitors to Everything Everywhere haven't necessarily panned out to be that way. Fablemans is doing okay. 
Banshees of Inisharan, you would have expected a bigger result at BAFTA. The irony is Netflix spent through the nose on a whole lot of movies thinking that they were going to have, you know, a, a viable Best Picture contender. And then along came All Quiet on the Western Front, which very organically built up its award season profile to the point where somehow that is the movie that if anything is going to seize this from everything everywhere, I think it is all quiet on the Western front, which appeals to the older voters who maybe are a little confused by everything everywhere. But I will say one of the things that I've noticed is there are a lot of other would-be contenders, and I'm thinking about Tar in particular, that I loved that were very polarizing. And it's very hard to find somebody who didn't like everything everywhere. They might have not loved it, but there are a lot of people who say, I didn't like Tar, or I didn't like Banshees, or I didn't like a certain number of movies. Everything isn't nearly as polarizing to the people I've talked to. I will say that the only thing that held me back this season from thinking that it could win Best Picture is that I have talked to people like that. I have talked to older people in the industry and even older people in the Academy who said I couldn't make it through that movie. You know, Which they movie? Found everything everywhere. Wow. So I have found every uh, major contender this year to be polarizing. You always have people who are, you know, contrarian, who who don't want the, the big thing that's sweeping the awards to, to resonate with them. They want to say, no, I, I, you know, I picked the other side. But this year in particular, it's been fascinating to watch almost every movie that, from the people that I've spoken to have that kind of reaction. Banshees of Inisharan, a movie that I love, there were a lot of other people who said, I don't get it. Fablemans, people said, it's okay. You know, Tar, I knew Tar would not be for everybody. It was a bullseye for me. So I can't say that I'm surprised that other people didn't like it. But yeah, I mean, and Everything Everywhere, which is, you know... Uh, which which traffics in genres like, you know, science fiction, um, gross-out jokes, which has a multiverse component, which has so many things going on, and, and therefore really speaks to a young audience of cinephiles and might not speak as strongly to an older audience who's like, what is this? Be real. That said, when I went to see it, it was in release, and I went with my younger son, and the audience was Every kind of people, old, young, gay, straight. It was just, it, I've never seen an audience like that. And they all were totally in it. Like people were sobbing at the end, huge smiles on their faces that when they left. I've never seen an audience, even in a small theater, that diverse. I mean, when I talk to uh, civilians, people not in the industry, people who don't cover this industry about their favorite movies of the year, so often I hear everything everywhere is my favorite movie. And I say of, of 2022, and they say, no, it's my favorite movie. It has taken that place for them. It, it really, I, I think that should it win Best Picture, and you know, all signs are pointing to it, it is good for that movie and it is good for the Oscars. You know, people say, are the Oscars relevant? Do the Oscars matter to young people? I think that's a real strong way for the Oscars to reward a film that, that many young, budding movie fans loved the most. You mentioned it's Guild Awards. 
it has won almost every, I think, almost every important Guild Award. Basically, yeah. The Ensemble Award at the Screen Actors Guild, Best Picture from the Producers Guild of America, technically. The Daryl F. Zanuck Award for Outstanding Producer of a Theatrical Motion Picture. Original Screenplay from the Writers Guild of America. Best Director from the Directors Guild of America. Best Edited Comedic Feature from American Cinema Editors. Um, the Dramatic Feature went to Top Gun Maverick for Editors. And it has the most nominations of any film, 11, and it also swept the Independent Spirit Awards, which isn't always a translator to Oscars, but certainly can be and was for Nomadland. Yeah. I mean, movies that have won all of those awards don't lose Best Picture. That's just simply how history has worked. The only thing that gives me pause is, you know, Netflix spending through the nose to get all quiet in there. And, and again, to be fair, you know, when I, uh, the other movies that you can compare this to, things like, you know, The King's Speech, were such a bullseye crowd pleaser for older segments of the Academy in a way that Everything Everywhere isn't quite. So it is still vulnerable, even in this home stretch of having won so much, simply by fact of, a big spending competitor who has something that does appeal to the audience that doesn't like everything everywhere. That said, and this is no shade to All Quiet, which is a, a, a very good movie, what an anticlimax it would be if that is the ultimate winner. And I do think that when you get a surprise winner, it's usually because the surprise winner has the emotion and the heart that the perceived as colder, more intellectual frontrunner did not have. You know, that's what happens when a 1917 loses to Parasite. That's what happens when Coda triumphs over Power of the Dog or Green Book triumphs over Roma. Everything Everywhere absolutely does have the heart and emotion that you usually find in the surprise winner. You know, so I think All Quiet is the colder exercise that usually you'd have an Everything Everywhere pulling out in front of. Uh, now it's, it's far in front. Coming up, more of my conversation with The New York Times' Kyle Buchanan about who's most likely to take home an Oscar at this year's Academy Awards. The LAS Spring Super Sweeps is happening now. You can win amazing prizes while supporting your source for local fact-based journalism. One lucky grand prize winner will get to choose a brand new Lexus or $25,000 in cash. Other prizes include an electric bike from Juice Bikes and $1,000 gas gift cards. Your donation of $60 gets you one entry to win. And the more you give, the more entries you get. Donate now at LAS.com sweeps. Start your Saturday with something that will grow your kiddos' brains and get their creative juices flowing. Join us at LAS for a morning of multilingual story times, interactive performances, art making, and lots of kid fun. Bring the whole fam and join us for a super fun Saturday at LAS in Pasadena on June 1st. Tickets at LAS.com slash events. See you there. Welcome back to Retake. I'm John Horn. Let's get back now to my conversation with New York Times award season columnist Kyle Buchanan. Here's our category by category look at who should win and who will win. Let's start with actor in a leading role. Austin Butler, Elvis, Colin Farrell, Banshees of Inisherin, Brendan Fraser, The Whale, Paul Mescal, After Sun, Bill Nye, Living. I'll let you start. Well, I think who should win is Colin Farrell. I thought he was fantastic in Banshees of Inisherin. It's a terrific cast. You know, all four key members of its ensemble are wonderful. 
But I think what Colin is doing in that movie is so deceptively good. Deceptively in, in that, I mean, it, it feels like he's not doing much of anything, you know? For, uh, for an Oscar voter who wants to see the work, the transformation, they'll just look at Colin Farrell speaking in an Irish accent, wearing sweaters, looking exactly like Colin Farrell looks, and think it's not enough. But for him to anchor that movie emotionally, for those eyebrows to do so much of that work, for you to feel that pain and that emotion and that longing and all of those things, and to make it feel so effortless, I, I just think he's terrific in that movie. It's the best we've ever seen him. And? Okay, so Austin Butler versus Brendan Fraser. There, there are a lot of people who love Austin Butler. He's playing a famous person, which always helps. The movie did get nominated for Best Picture. It's very rare that the Best Actor winner comes from something that isn't nominated for Best Picture. You'd have to go back to Jeff Bridges and Crazy Heart. So that's a knock against Brendan Fraser. However, I do think the more powerful knock against Austin Butler is they don't like a young, hot dude to win Best Actor. They want you to have, you know, some gray in your hair, some crow's feet. They want you to have paid your dues more. Uh, they want you north of 40. I mean, look at Leonardo DiCaprio and how many times he had to be nominated. So this handsome... So who's going to win? So this beautiful man who, to them, came out of nowhere, came out of, you know, CW shows, and, and who has not, I think, effectively illustrated how different he is from the portrayal because he's still speaking in the Elvis voice. He hasn't told us who Austin Butler really right. is. You compare that to Brendan Fraser, who has an incredible narrative, a comeback narrative, which they love, over 40, which they love, transformational performance, which they love, and you can compare how he's transformed in that to how he is, and you can compare it to how he is now, how he was when he was playing, you know, this buff George of the Jungle and Sino Man type. To me, that narrative, that personal narrative is irresistible, and I don't think Austin Butler has a personal narrative, and he's under 40 and hot, so I'm, I'm thinking Brendan Fraser takes it. Okay. Actor in a supporting role, Brendan Gleeson from Banshees of Inish Sharon, Brian Tyree Henry, Causeway, Judd Hirsch, The Fablemans, Barry Keoghan, The Banshees of Inish Sharon, Ki Hui Kwan from Everything, Everywhere, All at Once. I think Ki is going to win. I can make a case for Barry Kogan. I think he's one of the best actors out there, but I don't think he has a chance. Yeah, he's terrific, and he won the BAFTA. Yep. That's the only thing Ki Hoi Kwan did not win. Um, but my will win and should win is Key, and I think that's one of the locks of the night. Okay, here's an interesting category. Actress in a leading role. Mm -hmm. Kate Blanchett for Tar, Anna de Armas for Blonde, Andrea Riceborough, question mark asterisk for Two Leslie, <laughs> Michelle Williams for The Fablemans, and Michelle Yeoh for Everything, Everywhere, All at Once. Who will? Who should? Boy, this is a coin flip uh, for both, for will and should. You have two women in Kate Blanchett and Michelle Yeoh who are delivering their, the signature roles of their career. When they have their career retrospectives at the end of their lives, the first role that you will see and the last role you will see in those reels is the work that Kate Blanchett did in Tar and the work that Michelle Yeoh did in Everything Everywhere. And I think you can't imagine either movie without them. You, you, no, no, or not no one woman would have been able to do what those two right. women did in their roles better than they did. Um, so it is a real coin flip. I, I did think that this was leaning towards Blanchett um, until Michelle Yeoh won the Screen Actors Guild and the Indie Spirits and gave very emotional speeches at both shows. You know, ultimately, Oscar voters are going to vote for who they want to vote for, but they do take into account the speech, the moment. 
you know, they wanted to be part of the Parasite moment last year. And Kate Blanchett winning her third Oscar is not going to give you a moment in the way that Michelle Yeoh winning that, becoming the second woman of color, the first Asian woman, uh, openly Asian woman, because Merle Oberon hid her heritage, uh, to win Best Actress. That is a major, major moment. You know she'll be emotionally overcome. And I don't know. I mean, oh God, this is so close. I'm going to go back and forth on this one until truly okay. the envelope is opened. I will be scrutinizing the presenter's reaction. Actress in a supporting role. Angela Bassett from Black Panther, Wakanda Forever, Hong Chao, The Whale, Gary Condon, Banshees of Sharon, Jamie Lee Curtis, Everything, Everywhere, All at Once, and Stephanie Hsu from Everything, Everywhere, All at Once. I'll start here. Yeah, I want to I think Angela Bassett will win. I'm not a fan of the movie. I think it's one of those kind of career recognition awards. Um, I think Jamie Lee Curtis should win. Who knows? I you think, think she should win. I think she should win. Or That was Stephanie. your favorite supporting performance of the year. No. My favorite supporting performance was Jesse Buckley in Women Talking, uh, but she wasn't nominated. Uh-huh. I think Angela Bassett's going to win. I was not a fan of the film. <sighs> this one is tricky, and I think I'm going in a different direction than most of my fellow pundits. Angela Bassett won some early awards, you know, like the Golden Globe, um, Critics' Choice Award, uh, that don't have, you know, real overlap with the Academy. Um, BAFTA went for Carrie Condon, and there you do have overlap with the Academy. And then Jamie Lee Curtis won at the Screen Actors Guild, sending this race into a real free-for-all. I think, ultimately, it is going to go to Carrie Condon, and here's why. I think that it's a Michael Clayton situation where they wanted a place to reward a film they loved, and so they gave it to Tilda Swinton in Supporting Actress. I think that Carrie Condon benefits from the movie actually following her point of view, following her into her own scenes, her own journey. She is not simply a supporting presence in the lead's story, as Angela Bassett is in a lot of her scenes, and absolutely, as Jamie Lee Curtis is. You know, she's a supporting but compelling presence in Michelle Yeoh's scenes, whereas Carrie Condon has her own subplot, is practically a co-lead to Colin Farrell in a lot of ways, and, crucially, is an audience surrogate. You know, you feel her frustration with the men on that island. So I really do think that by virtue of screen time and heft, that Carrie Condon pulls this out. But it, but it, I, again, a really fascinating race that could go, you know, until the bitter end. We'll take a quick break and be back with more Oscar predictions. How to LA is our love letter to Los Angeles. We'll tell you where to get a yummy torta, a bowl of kanji, and of course, a burger. It's a beef sausage blend, fried egg, grilled onions, and then raspberry jam. What hiking trails to check out. This feels like we're out in the mountains. And where to take in some culture. Lumert Park, they've been fostering jazz for decades. LA's a big place with a lot going on. So we got you. Subscribe to How to LA from LA Studios wherever you listen to podcasts. LAist has a new live event series with the James Beard Foundation. We Are Where We Eat will go behind the scenes of some of your favorite LA restaurants to find out how and why they do what they do. I'm Austin Cross. Join me for the first event where we'll explore how restaurants help make a neighborhood and we'll all have something delicious to eat afterwards. It's May 22nd at the Crawford. Get your tickets now at LAist.com events. 
Back to my conversation now with Kyle Buchanan of the New York Times. Up next, our picks for best director. We have the filmmakers behind Banshees of Inisherin, Everything, Everywhere, All at Once, Tar, Triangle of Sadness, and The Fablemans. I think Steven Spielberg getting nominated is like an automatic berth in the NCAA basketball com- uh, playoffs. It's like the Patriot League or the Atlantic Sun Conference gets an automatic bid if you win that league. I don't think there's anything that great about Steven Spielberg's work. Obviously, I thought Sarah Polly should have been here or another woman. There are a lot of very well uh, female-directed films last year. I think you and I are going to agree that the winner is going to be the Daniels, Daniel Kwan and Daniel Scheinert from everything. I agree. Uh, They won Director's Guild. There's no reason to think that they wouldn't win. The only reason to think they wouldn't win, after I said there wasn't one, is that in recent years, the Academy has shown a real willingness to spread the wealth. You know, if Everything Everywhere is going to win as many awards as as you're predicting here that's so out of step with how they've recently awarded films they we're entering an era of uh of best picture winners that have pretty low win totals across the board and you know if 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 everything everyone's wins picture director actress uh supporting actor and supporting actress and then original screenplay as well that's the most above the line wins a film has ever had at the Oscars, that just more than one flew over the cuckoo's nest because they didn't have supporting. Well, actor. that yeah, that was only two uh, acting ones. So I just think it's harder to believe, and I wonder if the fact that the film feels so locked for picture and so locked for supporting actor means we actually will get a few other surprises because people will feel licensed to go in a, in an unexpected direction and enough of those people might reach critical. So mass. what's the upset? Who would that be? Todd field. Okay. And if I, I love talk, if I'm correct, I want this audio clip. I will post it to Twitter, okay. <laughs> but uh, I do think the smart money obviously is, is on the Daniels. That's who I am predicting, but I do think we could find uh, an out of left field win here. This is going to be an easy one. Animated feature. I'll name the categories and I'll name the fifth one, which I think you and I are going to say will and should. Turning Red, The Sea Beast, Puss in Boots, The Last Wish, Marcel, The Shell with Shoes On, and Guillermo del Toro's Pinocchio. I think it was one of the best films of the year. I thought it should have been in the uh, Best Picture race. I don't see it losing. I think it should win. I think it will win. Netflix definitely wanted it in the Best Picture race. Uh, I think it will win. Uh, My should win is Turning Red, which I thought was fabulous and such a breath of fresh air in the animation genre and for Pixar, which hadn't been making movies like that. I can't wait to see what that director, Domishi, comes up with next, because I really do feel like she's doing different things in that space than anybody else. Cinematography, All Quiet on the Western Front, Bardo, False Chronicle of a Handful of Truths, Elvis, Empire of Light, and Tar. That's going to be All Quiet. Um, Yep. Really incredibly beautiful frames. And then you also have long shots of battle carnage, you know, 1917 recently won for kind of doing the exact same thing. And look, they like what they like. Um, Mandy Walker for Elvis has the opportunity to be the first female cinematographer to win here. But I I do think it's going to be all quiet. Costume design, Babylon, Black Panther, Wakanda forever, Elvis... Everything, everywhere, all at once. Mrs. Harris goes to Paris. I love Ruth Carter. I just didn't think Black Panther was that good a movie. 
I also really love Catherine Martin. And there's so many great costumes in Elvis, and some of them go by in the blink of an eye. There's montages where there are costumes that she's built that you see and are gone before you even recognize it. I think uh, CM, as Baz calls her, is going to win here. Yeah, I mean, I think Ruth Carter outdid herself on uh, Wakanda Forever. I just don't think they're inclined to give it to a sequel. Yep. So I agree with you. I think it's Elvis. Production design, All Quiet on the Western Front, Avatar, The Way of Water, Babylon, Elvis, The Fablemans. Um, I defer. <laughs> I was always waiting I think for you it's to be Babylon. First. I want to see Babylon win here. Um, yeah, I think it's. I think I might be overthinking it, and it's just going to be Babylon. I mean, they didn't like the movie enough to get it into picture, but it is incredibly ostentatious, um, big budgeted production design. Elvis has that, so does All Quiet in its own way. Um, and they obviously liked those movies more. That's the only thing that gives me pause. But I think Babylon will probably get my ultimate vote. Documentary feature, I think you and I are, are going to agree the likely and should be winner is going to be All the Beauty and the Bloodshed, Laura Poitras' film about Nan Golden and the Sacklers. But you have a contrary opinion. <laughs> you can tell by my expression. Uh, no, the winner is going to be Navalny. Oh, I love that movie. Uh, Navalny about the Russian opposition leader who is now in jail um, couldn't be timelier. And I think that voters love in a category like this or an international film to send a message and and to feel like they they have the ability to do that so i'll be surprised if it's not navalny and navalny has the best five minutes of any movie last year yeah. when navalny not only finds the people who tried to kill him but gets one on the phone it is the best scene of any movie last year it plays out like a very straightforward thriller it's well done you know, I, I loved all the beauty and the bloodshed, but I've talked to people who didn't get it the same way that I got it. And I think Navalny is like extremely gettable. <laughs> Should I just do my own picks for short films? Because I know you don't. I haven't watched the shorts yet. Okay. So. Uh, based on what I've seen of documentary shorts, that's one movie, Stranger at the Gate. It's the only one I've seen. We did an event at LAist, so I'm picking that one. Animated short, The Boy, The Mole, The Fox, and The Horse, Will and Should Win, live action short, Le Pupil, Will and Should, not only because it's a good movie, but because Alfonso Cuaron, Oscar-winning director, produced it. Okay, home stretch, film editing, Banshees of Sharon, Elvis, Everything Everywhere, Top Gun, and Tar. I think it will be Everything Everywhere. Certainly the film is well edited, and there's so many sequences with you know so, so like flash cuts almost subliminal things happening and i think people respond to that and the way that it juggles those multiverses but i think the audience that isn't inclined to vote for it here is turned off by the editing and turned off by the multiverse juggling and so they might be more into top gun or all quiet however i do think those two films split that demographic so it's ultimately everything everywhere international feature uh I think this is the easiest race to that's, call. That's all quiet on the Western We wouldn't even mention the other nominated nominees. nominated for Best Picture and International Film, you win International Film. Makeup and hairstyling, I think Elvis will and should win. I don't agree. I think it's going to be The Whale. I think, okay. I think, again, it's a transformation. It's about that transformation. And knowing what Brendan Fraser looks like and has looked like is enough for the normies in the Academy to be like, wow, okay. in a way that, you know... The verisimilitude of Elvis doesn't provide that same punch. Original score, All Quiet on the Western Front, 
amazing score by uh, Volker Bertelsmann. Um, Babylon, Banshees of Inisherin, Everything Everywhere All at Once, and The Fablemans, another automatic NCAA bid for John Williams. I think Justin Hurwitz is going to win here. I love the score. For Babylon. Yeah, I mean, it's it's a great score. It's the one that I would listen to on Spotify. There's certainly a push for John Williams, uh, who's getting up there. They've, they've done a lot of events for him, but I don't think it's one of his most memorable scores. Again, it comes down to Babylon. They don't like it enough to get it into picture any of the acting category. So is it vulnerable to a film that they obviously liked more? All Quiet on the Western Front, which has this very sort of droning, repetitive, oppressive theme, but an absolutely memorable one in a movie that they appreciate more. Boy, oh boy, I I have not picked yet. Okay, that, this is going to be one. This is going to be. This will be one of the last <laughs> predictions I fill out. Original song, applause from Tell Like a Woman, Hold My Hand from Top Gun Maverick, Lift Me Up from Black Panther, Wakanda Forever, This Is a Life from Everything Everywhere, and Natu Natu from RRR. I think Natu Natu. I agree. I think you know Gaga and Rihanna kind of cancel each other out by dint of being the big pop divas in this category, and also because. Neither neither song is among their more iconic ones. So you open yourselves up to Natu Natu. RRR had a strong Best Picture push, might have gotten close, and I think that the fans of the movie will be eager to reward it somewhere. Sound, All Quiet on the Western Front, Avatar, The Way of Water, The Batman, Elvis, Top Gun Maverick. Uh, Elvis, there's a great scene in Memphis where Baz's team mixes hip-hop and Elvis music. Um, kind of like Elephant Love Medley from Moulin Rouge, but not as notable. I think Mavericks, Top Gun Mavericks is going to win this one. I agree with you. All Quiet on the Western Front has fantastic sound. And if you watch that in a, in a room, a screening room with you know an amazing sound bar, as many Academy members will, it will make up for the fact that you're watching it at home, as many Academy members did. But I do think ultimately Top Gun Maverick, which they saw in theaters, or they should have seen it in theaters, and it's incredible sound and it's, you know, large scale blockbuster vibe is, is the thing that wins the day. Uh, visual effects, all quiet on the Western front, the Batman, Black Panther, Wakanda Forever, Top Gun Maverick and Avatar The Way of Water. I don't know how Avatar loses here. I think the middle third of the movie, those are imaginary animals, the Tukun whales, but they look real even if they're fantastic and they actually have performance you feel emotions for them i think it's an incredible achievement is there any way that avatar loses here i don't think so i keep thinking about the critic bilga abiri who wrote that he had to keep reminding himself that the things he was seeing on screen were not real i i felt that a lot I, I felt it too avatar and i think that you know, the thing that holds it back ultimately from being an Oscar contender in most other categories is that there are so many more promised Avatar films to go. But this is the bone that they throw James Cameron along the way. Adapted screenplay, All Quiet, Glass Onion, A Knives Out Mystery, Living, Top Gun Maverick, Women Talking. Well, I know you want Sarah Polly to win, and I think she's got a strong shot since she won Writers Guild. Um, but I don't know, John. They love... All Quiet on the Western Front. If that film really is in contention to win picture, and I think it's the number two, then it takes screenplay. There is no path, modern path to best picture without winning screenplay first. The only times that happens are, you know, a film like Nomadland where the vibe was that it was improvised. So yep. though they are always knocked out by an actor who writes something, 
I, I'm leaning towards All Quiet. Original screenplay, another really close race, I think. Banshees of Inisherin, Everything Everywhere, The Fableman's Tar, Triangle of Sadness. I, I defer to you. What do you think? I think the ultimate winner kind of has to be Everything Everywhere. And if it doesn't win, that's a real uh-oh for its ultimate fate. Again, to win Best Picture these days, you really have to win a screenplay award first. And I think the thing that it has over Banshees, which you know has incredible dialogue, and Tar, which is genius, is original. When you see Best Original Screenplay, that's what they go for. And the film feels more lively and more unique and more quirky. And they like those things when they're voting for a screenplay. And that brings us to picture All Quiet on the Western Front, Avatar, The Way of Water, The Banshees of Inisherin, Elvis, Everything, Everywhere, All at Once, The Fableman's Tar, Top Gun, Maverick, Triangle of Sadness, and Women Talking. Yeah, I mean, like I said at the beginning of the show, you'd be foolish to bet against everything everywhere. My, my colleague Pete Hammond at Deadline went out on a limb and is predicting all quiet. Uh, I saw his predictions today. You know, Pete, I think, is talking to a lot of older Academy members who don't get everything everywhere. And it's, it's a significant demo to the point where, you know, I still have reservations despite everything everywhere's guild sweep. Um, I just think, ultimately... We're probably overthinking it, and this is going to be everything everywhere. <laughs> we always do. Right. At the last minute, everyone's overthinking everything. That always but happens. But this year in particular, it does feel like so many more major awards are up in the air than they used to be. I mean, gosh, three of the four acting races feel utterly unlocked. At this point, it's usually a death march of the same four people, you know, through every award show. So I am... Feeling like I'm going to get a lot wrong this year when it comes to my predictions, but I welcome it because it means that surprising things are happening. Here's what's going to the right surprise. Here's what's going to happen: we're going <laughs> to fill out our ballots, we're going to mail them to each other, and the winner will get a KPCC mug, which are no longer really available. We're just trying to get rid of them because we're now LAist. Sound like a deal? You know, I still hold a little bit of a grudge for you talking me out of picking Spotlight as my best picture uh, prediction. I had it all season, and the last minute. You were like, you were just beating such a drum for The Revenant. And I thought, maybe I'm crazy. Maybe it is The Revenant. But do remember when I said Moonlight was going to win, and you're like, nah, it's La La, no, La Land. No, you, you were very... But La La Land did win for 30 seconds. For, for only 30 seconds, yeah. Uh, no, you, you were correct on that one. Yeah, so um, I don't know. We'll see. Uh, I'm happy to get the mug, but I'm also happy if surprising and interesting and emotional things happen. That was New York Times award season columnist Kyle Buchanan. The Academy Awards are this Sunday, March 12th, starting at 5.30 p.m. Pacific time. Thanks for listening to Retake. I'm John Horn. We'll see you again next week. Retake is produced and engineered by Michael Cosentino, Monica Bushman, and Taylor Kaufman. The editor is Suzanne Levy. This podcast is powered by listeners like you, donating as little as $5 a month. And we can only keep making more episodes like this one with your partnership. Support this show by donating now at elias.com forward slash join. And thanks. Hi. 
Hi, I'm Tracy Thomas, host of One for the Books, and we are back for another round. This is clearly an NPR audience. (laughs) I think they're so smart. What the hell? My guests this time are actor Vela Lavelle and author Amanda Montel, whose new book, The Age of Magical Overthinking, is out now. Join us on May 15th at the Crawford Family Forum for book talk, trivia, and hot takes. Tickets can be found at laist.com slash events.